0: Keep Pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. I up, son. Ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. moving someplace and we're doing this in Carolina. The first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways and I don't like to lose it anyway. Guys, welcome back to another episode of the 7 Forecast. Matt, Wes, Corey here with you guys. Um, Fan Fest just wrapped up this last week. Uh, things are kind of trending towards preseason. We got the Colts coming up a week from the day. We're recording this on Sunday. You guys will hear this Monday morning. So we're going interested to see how the practices go with the Colts this week. Uh, Wes, Corey, how you guys doing?
1: Doing great. Time's starting to fly, man. You know, we're getting closer and closer every single day. Um, I love preseason. Uh, I, I love watching these guys fight for, for a roster spot. You know, some people are turned off by it, but I watched every minute of that Hall of Fame game the other night. So uh, football's back. It's on television. You're not going to stop me from watching it. So this is, this is a great time.
2: Yeah, I uh, echo what Corey said. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the regular season. Uh, a much more eventful week of training camp in week two. Uh, based yeah. on the headlines and, and things that happen, So there's a lot to talk about, and that is that is exciting. Um, some good, some bad, but uh, just ready for the season to start. I am so excited uh, for Panther football.
0: Things are finally picking up, like Corey's mentioned over and over again. The dog days of summer uh, are now long gone. Uh, so before we dive into the Panthers news uh, from the last week of training camp and from Fan Fest on Friday, let's hit on some news and notes around the league. Starting off with uh, Michael Thomas down in New Orleans. Looks like him and the Saints have had some issues here lately. Obviously, Sean Payton wasn't happy about him opting to have surgery so late in the year. And then there were some, some reports that uh, Michael's been ignoring calls from the team. Anybody surprised? Thoughts on this?
1: I, I mean, surprised. Yeah, I, I'm a little surprised. Uh, yeah, I don't think I saw it coming. in or. I don't I don't know who really saw it coming but yeah CBS uh, sports.com reported that Thomas is reportedly ignores calls from the organization including the trainer wide receivers coach and even even the man himself Sean Payton uh, and that's per Jeff Duncan of nola.com and Payton uh, he had a he had a, a very uh, very annoyed uh, Quote, as it's saying, it appears we are going to have to spend some time without him. Disappointing. We would have liked it have happened, had it happened earlier. And quite honestly, it should have. I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, you know, that's, that's not nothing, uh, as they would say. That's not just some smoke. That seems to be a, a real situation that's brewing down there. And, you know, all I can say is, you know, inject that into my veins, because anytime the Saints are in turmoil,
2: I'm happy. So you're telling me the guy that gets up and flexes after a five yard hitch is acting like a diva. Is that what you're trying to tell me?
1: <laughs> the Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, I, I didn't expect the fallout between them, but I don't expect, I am not surprised that, that Michael Thomas is acting like this. Um, he should have had the surgery earlier. If there's something that's going to a surgery needed, that's going to keep you out. You get it done as soon as the off season starts and, and you get back and, and, He's hurting the team, uh, a team that's really lacking in depth to begin with because of the, the their notorious issues with kicking the, the, the salary cap down down year after year and and, and, and messing with that. So uh, it really hurts the Saints for however long he's going to be out. And, uh, you know, uh, all I got to say is I, I hate to see it. It couldn't happen to a better organization, better coach. What is what is he bitching about? I, 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 I think it. he's mad that Peyton called him out probably if I had to take a guess, because I, I didn't see this report of him ignoring until after Peyton had that press conference saying that he wishes it happened sooner.
1: Well, this has been going on for three months. Apparently he's been ignoring the, the staff for three months. So I just can't imagine what, what he's upset about. Like I said, the only thing I can't imagine is like I said, you know, he doesn't have little, little baby breeze back there throwing him the five and six yard passes that you know, are going to get him to 130 catches.
0: I don't Yeah, these aren't things that you want to see as they're getting a new quarterback in there this offseason. Uh, he opted to have surgery late. He's not going to be able to get on the same page and form chemistry with his guy. And by all accounts, it looks like it's going to be Taysom at the moment. I mean, by the way, though, Jameis' content that's come out uh, in the last couple of weeks has been pure gold. Pure gold. If you haven't seen the clips going around, Jameis mistook, misspoke. And instead of saying tandem, he said condom. In one of his uh, pressers this week, man, oh, he also... had his uh,
1: job interview voice on. <laughs> That's
0: yeah. the best if, if You don't think that he's trying to win that job? By the way, he's been acting in the in the press conference. I mean, man, it's been pure cold with the way he's been talking about Sean Payton and just in general. But the clip of him getting his ass beat by the the uh, the pads, uh, man, tackling
2: just... dummy just put the head stick on him.
0: Yeah, go go go! Look it up. Spend a couple of minutes to to start your week off right with a good laugh. <laughs> but uh,
2: Just do
1: Jameis funny videos. It'll uh,
0: it'll be funny and interesting to see how this whole Michael Thomas uh, situation shakes out. But hey, um, I hate it for him though. Switching gears, Xavier uh, Howard and the Dolphins—they uh, finally came to an agreement. Um, looks like Xavier will not be traded. Um, he now is being paid sixteen million dollars this year, and effectively has his salary for next year guaranteed, um, which is right now at twelve million but the Dolphins said that they would look to renegotiate that or um, possibly give him an extension or another payday uh, this offseason. So it looks like we won't be making a play for him. It looks like Xavier's going to be staying in Miami for a little bit longer. And then there's him. the uh, the Sean Watson news. So, obviously, it looked like there was a, a trade between Houston and Philadelphia was possible this past week, um, but uh, – Seems like things may have fizzled out a little bit. I mean, they've been lining them up at safety. It's just a mess down there. So he hasn't been reporting to practice now. Looks like they've been – they've told him to stay home while they try to shake things out. Uh, I mean, is there any way that Houston just kind of rides this thing out and hopes that he somehow ever plays there again?
1: Well, see, I mean, you know, like – the reports were coming out saying that that the Eagles and the Texans were relatively close to a deal. They had some few hurdles they had to jump over, but for the most part it was moving in that direction. And then this report from Jay Glazer, who, you know, he's a fairly respected guy in league circles, a fairly respected insider. I trust his reports that he says, especially with injuries and stuff like that. He's, you know, he's a well-connected guy. And he comes out with this report um, the other day um, saying that, the the Texans might wait out Deshaun Watson and eventually try and persuade him to play football again. Um, Glazer said on Thursday um, that the two parties are in a standstill because the Texans still think Deshaun Watson is going to play for them this year. He did add, I don't know where they're getting that from. Again, this is the Texans, man. I don't know how the people in charge there are still in charge because it – and from all accounts on the outside looking in, is an absolute dumpster fire of an organization from top to bottom. And this is just another example of I, I don't know what they're doing. You're not, Deshaun
2: said he's not playing for you guys. There's no chance he plays for them. But the Texans, I saw multiple reports uh, and from reporters saying that they talked to executives, and the Texans are asking – pre-issue still the the same thing they were asking for pre-issue and and when you're coming at teams with unreasonable asks at this point they're they're the response is you just don't want to trade like that that is what all reports are is they're they're asking for packages that that just point to them not actually wanting to trade Deshaun so do they is that them thinking they can wait him out I, I don't know if that's what their their intentions are or if they're hoping Maybe there's other organizations as stupid as them that will give them that much. I don't know. Uh, But I don't think Deshaun plays for them this year.
0: There's, I mean, he's still getting paid. He reported, he's not getting fines. So, I mean, they want to wait it out. That's fine. I mean, you're still gonna be paying the guy, but he's never going to take another snap for that team in that organization. And the sooner that they realize this and stop trying to get a King's ransom um, for the guy, I mean, you can, you can ask for three first round picks and two day one starters all you want, but that doesn't show me that you're serious about moving this guy.
2: What do you think an Eagles package w- looks like if, if that one were to happen? I know we obviously probably centers around Hurts, but what do you think after that?
0: Hurts, the uh, pick coming from Indianapolis, whatever that shakes out to be, and a first. I mean, it's either a second or a first with the Philly deal. I mean, with the uh, Indy deal. So two firsts and a starting quarterback. Yeah, what else would you – I mean, I think that's fair.
2: I 100% agree, and in- – Um, if, if you're Philly, you do it in a heartbeat because you still may have another first this year. So you're giving up a 2023 first, a first that wasn't really yours and a quarterback that apparently you don't believe in for Deshaun. If he's out of trouble, um, it's a risk you take if, if Deshaun can get and that you're that that, at that that point, the risk is enough, low enough that you're banking on Deshaun getting out of trouble.
0: They loaded up on quarterbacks, so they have at least five, I think. I mean, Tyrod's their, their starter at this um, moment. They drafted Davis Mills. Uh, I'm not sure who, off the top of my head who else is down there. Uh, so I don't know if Tyrod's getting starter money, but those are the other issues that they have to sort out. I mean, they really didn't do themselves any favors, but if you trade for a guy like Hertz, are you going to roll with Tyrod, or do you roll with the guy that you just started with, or you just traded for So they got their backs against the wall. They're really not at the point to negotiate with anybody at the moment. But, oh, things keep getting weirder and weirder down there in Houston. <laughs> some uh, some late-breaking news. This just happened before we start recording this. Uh, rival executives believe that Jacksonville Jaguars have made um, last year's ninth overall draft pick, C.J. Henderson, available in trade talks. Don't know if Urban just not liking what he sees. Don't know if he's trying to cash out on the guy's value. Um, maybe he doesn't think that he's as good as, uh, the previous regime. And so now he's trying to get rid of him before he gets exposed. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's Irvin Meyer.
2: On that note, what, uh, with, with hinder with, with JC on one side, what would you give up, um, if you don't believe in Dante to be on the other side, to have Henderson on the other side of JC?
0: I don't know, man. I wasn't that high on Henderson last year going into the draft. So, uh, not much, but that's just me. I mean, I really didn't get, get the chance to watch a lot of film on him, but a lot of the stuff I looked at pre-draft last year, it just it, it didn't impress me much. So um probably I probably wouldn't entertain it. Just roll with what we got right now and see how that shakes out. I don't really don't know if he's that much of an upgrade over Dante. I mean, Dante's in a contract year, so if he falls out, I mean, and you just trade for that guy and you have to pay Dante. I mean, I really don't think that that probably just creates more issues for us. So,
1: yeah, I I feel the same. Like, I mean, if anything, if anything, you know, you need another depth piece. If it's like, I mean, something. I'm I'm talking uh, not even a third. You know, like a fourth or a fifth. They're just trying to offload him. Then that's fine for a young corner on a rookie deal, whatever. But I'm not giving up anything. I'm not getting on like a third, second, first for him. Absolutely not. Um, so, but like you said, Dante's in a contract year. Um, if Dante can just stay healthy.
0: Right. So, all right, that wraps up uh, news and notes from around the league. Uh, so let's just dive into the Panthers, um, you know, th- this past week during training camp. I know news kind of broke early in the week with the the whole JT EB. And Keith Kirkwood incident, uh, EB was cut uh, roughly probably 90 minutes after um, training camp ended for the day. Um, nobody's really surprised at that. I mean, you just can't come out there and, and do things like that. Um, you know, it's it, things are hard enough when, when you're having to deal with injuries um, during preseason games, and God knows you can't be out here trying to hurt guys during um, – during training camp practices. I mean, it's an unfortunate situation. It's obviously yeah, – we've seen the video. Nothing was intentional. It was just wrong place, wrong time. But it's more, probably more of a mental thing than um, anything else. But uh, hopefully the guy finds a, another team, gets another chance, and, and sees how things shake out. I mean, it's not like, you know, Kirkwood is somebody who hasn't had injury issues in the past. Um, he played a couple snaps last year before uh, breaking his clavicle. Um, he was probably in competition – this training camp for that fifth, sixth receiver position um, with Zilstra and Almore Bayless. Um, thankfully for Kirkwood, though, he wasn't too injured. I mean, he just had a concussion, so he's still trying to recover from that as well. Um, but I know that was the, the big thing, making news this week.
1: Yeah, yes. I mean, and, like, eventually, you know, you, you- – Uh, I this is going to be, this was be chin. He would not be cut, <laughs> but, you know, and when we have multiple times guys doing what they're not supposed to do, I think he's just proving a point, making a point that, you know, that's not going to fly uh, in training camp um, where there is a team to get better and help each other get better. So um, yeah, when you're a bottom of the roster guy, you can't really afford to make those kind of mental mistakes. Agree completely.
0: Yeah. Those are things that we talked about. Um, you know, and that's the thing Matt Rose kind of been hammering. Now, if anybody's been paying attention, you see the whole DBO sign in the end zone. Don't beat, don't beat ourselves. And that's the big thing, you know, just got to pound that over and over. And yet yeah, it may be some college thing um, that he carried over from Baylor, but those are things that, that you have to do um, to set the tone early. You know penalties will kill you. You can't make these stupid mistakes when it comes game time, um, because we saw last year how many one score games we were in. You know, uh, a penalty very well could decide how things shake out.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot, a lot of. A lot to do about nothing was made this week about the DBO sign because, yeah. you know, there's, there's this trend around the league. You know, you've got Joe Judge up there making them run gassers if they do something wrong. You know, you got Dan Campbell having these guys do freaking up-downs and stuff like that. And, you know, you had some NFL you know veterans and, and retired players coming out and saying that's college, is ticky-tack stuff. But I think for the DBO sign, the don't-beat-ourselves sign, it, it, it is proving a point. It does serve a purpose. And we're, we have to keep in mind that, you know, this is year two that rule is trying to establish a program, trying to establish a culture. I don't think, you know, you get into year four, year five, year six, that you're going to see a don't beat ourselves sign because you've got an established core of veteran players who have grown up in that program in that system, and they can kind of police themselves. You have those on-the-field leaders that if a guy makes a mistake, if a guy does something stupid in practice – then they kind of police themselves. The veterans kind of take up and take over and step up and say, Hey, that's not going to fly here. You've got to do that. But when you have such a young team, such a young nucleus of, of, of guys, you kind of have to, you know, get creative with some of these implementations on, on, on having accountability and and being accountable and not beating yourself and not, you know, having false starts and not, you know, making stupid hits or, you know, whatever. So um, I don't think it's something that's going to, you're going to see throughout rules tenure, but again, you know, year two of a program, he's building a culture, he's establishing a culture, and let's give the guy some some freaking grace uh, and, 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 and watch what uh, he builds over the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that with the whole culture thing. Um, you know, with us being the youngest team in the league, these are things that are very important, especially with a guy like Matt, um, first-time head coach in the NFL. Um, Joe Brady's a first-time offensive coordinator. I mean, these are things that are very important when it comes in the – you know, getting that locker room on the same page and, you know, having some of the older guys that are on this roster, you know, step up and and lead by example um, and just set the tone with these younger guys or these guys fighting for a roster spot. Because, you know, if you keep making – we saw it with with false starts. It was a trend there for a while. Cam Irving, you know, sprinting down to the end of the end zone, touching the sign and coming back. Um, Robbie had to do it this week when him and Troy Pride got into a a little uh, altercation. I mean – those are things that you can't you can't do. You can't we can't have 15 yard penalties, you know, after scoring touchdowns, or we can't be in the red zone and and, and have you know a false start. I mean, right. we're we costing ourselves you go from third and two to to third and seven. And you know I, with Joey Sly, we don't we don't know if necessarily you know a, a 25 yard field goal is is gonna be good.
1: Right. And you know, I think that's the thing, you know, the the rule was talking about like they were talking about, you know gassers and all this stuff. And I think that a lot of people don't understand. And rule came out and said, it was, it's not about, okay, you're a professional football player. You're getting punished. Like you get punished in pop Warner by having to run. It's not about the running. It's not about having to run a gasser to assign to, to prove a point. It's about what rule said. It's about, it's missing a rep. Like these players who are out there fighting for jobs and fighting for, for spots it, you know, you have to run to the DBO sign, then that's probably one, two, three reps that you just missed because you wanted to make a boneheaded mistake. And, you know, we can't have those mistakes when we're in the season, when we're in the games, when we're fighting, you know, for, you know, in the fourth quarter and we can't have dumb false starts or offside penalties. And You you think about those things. If you, if you have so much to process on the field um, and you make a mental mistake like that, it just costs – everybody. So um, you're missing, you're missing those reps. And that's, what's most valuable to these players in this training camp is reps, because that's how you show that you belong. That's how you show that you deserve to be on the team. And if you're missing reps, that's the less chance that you have to show, Hey, you know, that they should keep me. So uh, I, I support what rules doing. I don't think it's ticky tack. I don't think it's the college thing. I think it's, you know, it, it has some meaning. And I think you listen to the players talk about it and they get it. They get it that they have to be accountable to to each other and to the team, and you know, it is what it is, man. They are professional athletes, but at the, end of the day, rules the coach, and what he says goes. And you know, if you don't like it, then they're not going to keep you around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's 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 talk a little bit about how things shook out last week. Joe Person of the Athletic released an article um, this week, kind of uh, talking about some of the standouts so far. Um, looks like he named seven. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the seven that he listed and just kind of get your thoughts on the names that I mentioned. Um, So, but Dan Arnold, we'll start right there. Um, He's obviously been a guy that's gotten a lot of attention this camp. The Darnold to Arnold connection is real. So be prepared to hear that a lot this year. Um, Terrace Marshall, another guy that's had a great camp so far. Um, Wes's guy right there. um, Steve Smith is very high on him. Um, He's talking about, he's going to come for some people's jobs. Um, CJ Saunders the undrafted wide receiver at Ohio state guy trying to make a, make this roster, whether it be in a special teams capacity or um, as a receiver. And then you shift over to Rodney Smith, um, Sean Chandler, uh, another safety uh, Davion Nixon. I know I watched the uh, Matt rule press conference uh, after uh, practice today. And he talked about how uh, Davion um, had had looked quick and explosive. um, And he just kept, kept singing his praises. Obviously this, if you watch the, um, draft confidential that the Panthers released you saw that Nixon was one of rules guys and then wrapping it up Julian Stanford um, trying to add something to the linebacker room uh, Denzel has been battling a undisclosed injury um, over the last week I believe um, so this is the guys trying to step up and, and, and help that out and compete for roster spot so out of those seven uh, seven names right there guys what stands out to you um, and who are you excited for off of that list I think Probably for me, it's, it's Dan Arnold. I mean, just because of our recent lack of um, tight end production, although Rule did say that Ian Thomas has looked fantastic so far during camp. But the thing with Darnold is that he can line up all over the field. So if you get in the red zone, you can put him out wide and single coverage and have a corner on him, or you can you know, line him up in a traditional spot. Like, a, like we've been saying all offseason is that the red zone offense is going to be special. There's just too many weapons. When you get down there, it should be six. I mean, at least, what, 70% of the time? I mean, is that unfair to say? I mean, as far as, like, expectations? No. No, definitely not. But, you yeah, know, that's, that's just, you know, my thinking behind it. I mean, like I said, having a six foot five, I, I put some clips together on Twitter this this week of showing some things that he can do. Uh, I mean, just very athletic, 39-and-a-half inch vertical. Just get prepared for Dan Arnold to put up some touchdowns this year. So, Corey West, uh, what do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I'm not – I'm not. this is not me throwing shade at my two podcast mates um, at all, but I'm just going to – like they picked Ian Thomas to be their breakout, and I'm just going to read what Ian Thomas gave to us last year. Ian Thomas was a leading tight end last year in 2020. His, he had 20 receptions, which ranked 47th among all tight ends, and his 9.1 yards a catch were 63rd. So he didn't give us too much. Um, But again, you know, year two, Joe Brady, um, different quarterback. We don't know how much of that was Teddy, but um, from the looks of it early in camp, Dan Arnold has a clear connection with Sam Darnold. That is uh, apparently in week two really started to blossom. And it's not just um, Panthers beat writers. It's not just Panthers media that, that are starting to notice the trend. Um, I guess NFL, you know, camp confidence, sorry, NFL, like training camp insider, NFL training camp live, whatever it was, was there the other, the other afternoon and um, NFL networks, Cameron Wolf actually reported Sunday from Panthers camp that Donald had been turning it on recently. And that the connection to watch in particular was with uh, Arnold um, the other day, Sam Donald threw a stump pass to tight end Dan Arnold. And Wolf said, he yells Donald to Arnold, baby, get used to seeing that. Um, so, you know, it's not just the local beat writers and then the local beat writers have also reported that, you know, every 11 on 11, you see at least once or twice Darnold taking Arnold over the middle. I mean, the first play the other day of 11 on 11 was like a 15 yard seam to Dan Arnold. And, you know, if you're already starting to see that connection grow, if you're already starting to see a level of comfortability between Sam and uh, Dan, then, then that's good. That's trending in the right direction. And Arnold to Arnold can be that, uh, you know, Cam to Greg-ish, you know, thing that, that we were so used to seeing over the years, getting those first downs that we need to get. And like you said, Matt, he's going to line up all over the field. He's not going to just be the inline tight end. He's going to be split out. He, he's going to be used all over the field. And that's just another weapon for Sam. That's just another tool in Joe Brady's toolbox that he can dial up. And especially having that big target down there in the red zone, you know, we can start converting some of those red zone trips into touchdowns. That all too often last year ended up with either three or, you know, sly missing a field goal. we just not converting and not getting into the end zone last year. And with, if you want to be a team, if you want to take that next level, if you want to go from, you know, worst to first, if you want to make the playoffs, you've got to capitalize more times than not when you get into the red zone and Dan Arnold is a key add into making those red zone trips worthwhile
2: and to putting six on the board when you're down there. Yeah, I agree on Arnold. Um, I will say that I don't think Arnold's production and and red zone ability and, and all of that really lines right. up with what, with what Ian will bring to the table for the team this year. Um, so I don't, I don't think, I really don't think that Arnold connection is is will eat into the growth of Ian. I, that's just, I, I I still still really believe that. But of those seven that that Matt mentioned, it's no surprise to me to hear me say that Terrace is is my my one that uh, that just I just love seeing and a continued week two of of him being and looking like the real deal out there and and. Uh, by all accounts will be another just absolute man child in the red zone um with his physical big athletic presence and i'm excited to see what he's going to do this year.
0: Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think it's funny that the the athletics you know ranked us um rank the offense um 25th in the league. And I you you have to think like looking at that, you're like, okay, well that has to be because of offensive line. Like there's no way that you look at this on paper and you say this offense is the 25th best in the league.
2: It doesn't make sense, especially when you look at the other, the rest of the NFC South. To me, Saints coming in at 22nd, Falcons coming in at 13th, and Bucks coming in at third. Okay, I, I mean, I understand why they have the Bucks there, but the the Falcons at 13th, seriously.
0: I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, it. Just because there are, you know, expectations from Sam, people, you know, so many questions, so many questions about offensive line. And we'll talk about offensive line here in just a minute. Um, but the news that came out of camp this last week, at least everything from rule and everything from beat riders is that you know Darnold's been settling in. He, he looks more comfortable. He's protecting the football. And that's a big thing. That was the that was the thing that a lot of people um, gave him grief for in New York, was just that you know he made some terrible throws, errant throws. You know the infamous seeing ghosts um, clip out there. That, that's when it, that went around. Um, it looks like that that rule is just preaching to him just to be himself, and they're working on footwork. I think that that's like a bit the the main thing. Arm strength has never been an issue with him, so I, I, I mean I think that the offensive line has got to be the only thing that's that's obviously holding this offense back. Um, and, and let's talk about that right now. We'll so it looks like Cam Irving's probably. I mean, he's trying to hold on to the left tackle spot, but, you know, there's more and more smoke each day that he's, you know, not looking good in camp. I mean, he's struggling against speed rush. I mean, neither of us three are surprised at hearing that. Um, You know, he, he, he got beat by Burns several times in, in practice. So, you know, there's several false starts where he's running down to the DBO sign and coming back. You know, I, I put out a tweet and said that he's starting to look like Forrest Gump with as much as he's running.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I- we all called that, number one, um, and it's not something that you want to see and you start to see even, you know, guys that we trust, guys that we follow like John Ellis um, starting to 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 predict that he's not going to be the day one starter. And then I think the most frustrating part for, for me, and I know that it's frustrating for you guys because we talked about it earlier, was that he's still getting these – and the majority of these left tackle reps. And then at this point I'm kind of like, what more do you need to see from him to where you start giving other guys more of the line share of left tackle reps? Like at this point, like, you know, it's not about a system thing. If you're getting beaten one-on-ones, it doesn't matter what kind of system you're in. It doesn't matter if you've learned the playbook or not. If you're getting beaten one-on-ones, you're getting beaten one-on-ones. If your false start, you know, every single day is a thing, then that that's, just who you are I mean I get it he's got some good tape out there you know he looks decent at guard I think that the the best thing for the line going forward is to move him inside um you know you look at a guy like Trent Scott Trent Scott had a really impressive you know rep against Brian Burns in one-on-one um and for the most part you know he's been getting looks at right tackle but not as many looks as he should I think at left tackle um, he played 347 snaps last season. He allowed just two sacks, had three penalties, and take it for what it's worth. Uh, you know, you can either love PFF, you can hate PFF, but PFF had him graded out of, at about 60.2, um, and his pass blocking was around 57. Um, just for reference, you know, Brian Balaga graded out at 61.6, Cam Robinson graded out at 61.7. So, I mean, you've got some, you know, good names there around that same level, Um, in terms of grading as Trent Scott. So I don't know if you're not going to move Mote in the left tackle, if you're not going to give him more reps at left tackle, I don't understand why a guy like Trent Scott isn't getting more burn with the ones, isn't getting more run with the ones. Um, I just, I don't see it from Cam Irving. I, I, I don't think that he's going to get it at left tackle. And I don't think it's in the best interest for interest for us or Sam. For Cam Irving to stay out there on an island at left tackle, um, move him inside, um, and I think that's where he's most comfortable when he doesn't feel like he's out there on an island all alone. And I mean, it's the same thing when he faces a speed rusher, he gets destroyed. I mean, there's a, I don't know who that that backup defensive lineman was that. I mean, he just ran right around him. I mean, it was ugly in one-on-ones the other day, and that's not a good sign. That's not what you want from your supposed starting day one left tackle.
2: Yeah, I uh, agree with everything Corey just said. I mean, right now the first group that they're running out there is Cam Irving, Elfline, Matt Paradis, Johnny Miller, and Taylor Moten left to right. The, the left side as a whole there just really, really concerns me Um, I've said it from day one. I do not want Elfline starting. Um, he is a fine depth guard and can even be our depth center. So I mean, I think I would love for Elfline to be that guy that is the backup at left guard, at center, and right guard. Just an injury in any of those spots, he is thrown into action because he's a veteran. He's he is what he is at this point. He's serviceable. Um, but I do not want Elfline to win that left guard job. So that's that is my lowest concern because my biggest concern is the fact that our two biggest rep getters at left tackle right now, however, however you want to say that, um, are Cam Irving and Greg Little. Those those two guys have had the most reps at left tackle so far in two weeks of camp, and that is concerning to say the least. Uh, Greg, as bad as Irving's few videos that have come out of camp have looked, Greg Little's have looked even worse. They've both struggled with false starts in camp. It just has not been pretty. Um, And as Corey said before, it's something we talked about in the group message this week. I'm tired. I'm tired of the left tackle being this revolving door, but I don't want them to just bullshit around and take reps away from whoever is going to be the real left tackle, figure it out. If it's Moten, move him there. Now don't play around and let three other guys lose the job for you to take, for you to turn around and move Moten over to left tackle and get him two weeks before the season to get adjusted to playing left tackle, figure it out and figure out what, what line gives you the best five that you can put out there. And it's clearly not with Cam Irving and Pat Elfline manning that left side, just the two of them. Like something's gotta be done. I I love Trent Scott. Uh, I don't, really know if he's got what it takes to be the everyday left tackle. I really don't um, love him as having that left tackle, right tackle, first man off the bench kind of thing. Um, I would love to slide Cam Irving inside to left guard, have Elfon be your depth lineman, interior lineman, um, and move Taylor Moten over to left. I don't, I don't know.
0: We're going to find out pretty quickly because um, we got the Colts next Sunday. Yeah. and. By all accounts, Quiddy Pay has looked uh, good in camp. Albert Breer um, has been touching on each team uh, throughout the couple last couple weeks, and he touched on, he usually will tweet out like five things, five um, observations that he notices from a training camp practice or um, just from speaking with uh, league sources or team members, whatever the case may be. But um, Quiddy Pay, the defensive uh, end out of Michigan that the Colts took in the first round, has uh, looked really good. DeForest Buckner probably won't play in that game next week. But um, the fans and the national national media are going to find out very quickly if Cam Irving can play left tackle for us or not.
1: Yeah, and one thing I did want to mention about, okay, the false starts, okay. As a former offensive lineman, when someone has false starts over and over again, what does that tell me? It tells me that they're uncomfortable. It tells me that they're trying to get off – the line quicker or getting their set quicker because they're uncomfortable that they're going to get beat. When you do that over and over and over again in practice, like this is not a game to quote the late great, you know, Allen Iverson. This is not a game. This is practice. And you're uncomfortable enough that you're false starting multiple times over and, and granted Taylor Moton had one, but you're not hearing Taylor Moton do it over and over and over and over and over again you've got multiple ones. It just tells me you're uncomfortable with where you're playing and and you're doing, you know, you're thinking you're in your head too much. And you're, you're, you're trying to just get a leg up and those things add up. So like, I can't, you know, overstate it. What Wes said, I just seconding it, like make the changes now, like let's get this going now. Let's get this line gelling now and stop wasting good training camp reps where Sam Darnold's not going to get hurt if he gets beat um, because he's not going to get hit um, and stop wasting these reps on, on these dudes. Like I get it. You paid money for Cam Irvin to come here um, and you can call it a mistake, whatever. It doesn't matter. At this point, it is what it is. You got to roll with him, but he's best served at a guard position, move him to guard and uh, the left tackle spot's going to be, what keeps this team from taking that next step if they don't get it figured out now.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, we'll all reserve judgment to watching the game next week and seeing how, how cam does, but these reports and they're not going away. So what does that tell you? It tells you that, that these issues aren't just magically going to fix themselves overnight. And I don't think any of us are asking, you know, for cam Irving to be an all pro left tackle out there. I think what we want is just somebody who can provide, um they're serviceable
1: uh, reps. yeah
0: i mean i was gonna say just be michael Orr from 2015 at, at left tackle that's the that's the most stability that we've had there and we had it for one season obviously before the concussions happened to him um but that's the last time we had any type of stability uh on that side and- it, it's
2: gotten it's gotten bad enough that someone who was at camp ellis mentioned on his pod like what is russell O'Coon doing right now and, and and okun was not good
1: no it's really bad shocked. enough
2: it's bad enough that someone in attendance in camp said those words
1: i was shocked when he said that on his podcast i mean i, I really was i was like damn it must be really bad really that, and
2: and that was when it really clicked for me and i was just like oh it's just camp just just but if, if someone in attendance thinks it's bad enough to say that that tells me like we need to figure it out
0: well we, it, it, At this point, if they're not going to move Taylor Moten over there, Trent Scott is the answer because I watched some of um, a practice on Wednesday or Thursday, I believe, and Greg Little's repetitions out there looked horrible.
1: At this point, I think the best left side combination that you could probably come up with is Trent Scott at left tackle and uh, Dennis Daly at left guard. If you're not going to move uh, Moten over there to uh, left tackle, Trent Scott and Dennis Daly, I've always – you know. I thought Dennis Daly might have a chance to compete for the left tackle role. I I banked on that, but it looks like he's not even getting the reps. So um, I've said all, you know, when he came in, if you moved him to left guard or inside of the guard, he could be really, really successful in my opinion. So I think that that's a good combination of, of line that I would like to see, but just all we can tell you is the reports that we're getting from camp and the people who are down there that we trust and, you're just not – You're these guys are not getting reps. They're, they're not even seeing the field, and I don't know why. Um, I don't – you know, obviously I'm not an NFL coach. I'm not on rural staff, so I don't get to see everything. But for some reason, some of these combinations that we like, um, they're just – it's just like they're not even happening. It's not even they're giving it a chance. So it is frustrating. I'm frustrated. I'm not going to say I'm worried just yet. It is only week two. Um, we, we do have the Colts game which we are going to preview here in just a minute but um you know it's going to start getting live it's going to start getting real and Sam's going to start getting hit so yeah they need to figure it out
0: yeah I don't think any of us want to be sitting here you know during a preseason game recapping a preseason game where we talk about Sam got hurt because you know the left side of the line couldn't stop anybody and then we're going into the the season uh, you know with that on our hands
2: yeah. And Scott is really the only one who's gotten any reps at all, but at left tackle that I'm comfortable with and his reps have been minimal from what I've seen.
0: We'll, we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, we're a week away. So, I mean, we got the Colts next week and you know, there's, there's going to be some cuts coming here in the next couple of weeks. Um yeah, that's yeah. a good
1: point, too, Matt. That is a good point about the cuts, too. It's like – always keep in mind, we do have, you know, 24 million and some change to play around with. You know, there, there's inevitably going to be cuts all around the league. You know, someone gets cut every year. So, um, you know, just keep an eye out on the waiver wire. We may not be done um, at offensive line. We may not be done at, you know, secondary. So, um, when the first round of cuts starts happening, there's always some good names that are – I don't want to say good, but there's always some serviceable names that get cut due to cap situations or just team fits or or whatever. So um, you you never know who might shake out. So it's a fluid situation. To quote uh, Scott Fitterer,
0: yeah, things <laughs> to keep an eye on. I mean, but let's just dive into it. I mean, the like I said, Colts is uh, next week. It's a one PM game. Uh, we'll we'll recap it on next week's episode, so you guys will have that um, next Monday. Um, going into it, you won't see Carson Wentz. He's sidelined for the next five to 12 weeks after having a uh, foot surgery. Quentin Nelson's right there with him with the basically the same exact injury that Carson suffered. You won't see Ryan Kelly, and I really doubt that you see DeForest Buckner for the Colts. Um, as far as snaps go, you'll probably see a couple series out of the starters, and then they'll uh, get off the field, and you'll see more of the backups. Week, week two this year is where you'll see starters getting a, a lot more playing time, treating it like your traditional – a week three preseason game in years past. Um, so for us, you're probably not going to see A.J. Boye. Uh, he's battling the little soft tissue injury, and he's also out for the first couple weeks of the season. So that will be something to pay attention to, to see how somebody like a Miles Hartsfield uh, fills in there, because that's going to be a position to watch, especially in this game and uh, week two as well because that guy's going to be likely the starter for weeks one and two of the regular season. Uh, Keith Kirkwood still recovering from the concussion that we mentioned. And the one that bothers me is, is Denzel Perryman. Um, he's, like I said, he's been missing the last week of practice or so um, with the undisclosed injury. So um, obviously not something that you, you want out of your um, starting middle linebacker. So those are things just to just to follow and keep an eye on uh, as we're going into it, as far as injuries go. Um, but we mentioned the the Quiddi pay against our tackles, not sure how that's going to shake out. Um, J.C. Horn is going to get uh, a nice little test in his uh, rookie first game. Uh, I don't know if Michael Pittman will play. I don't know if T.Y. Hilton will play. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see who J.C. Shadows. He's had a great last week. Um, he had his best day at camp, I believe. He had two picks um, one day. So those are things to to, to really um, you know pay attention on when it comes to you know our our first round draft pick this year and another thing is and we'll circle right back to these but the Colts have one of the deepest running back rooms in the NFL and we struggled against the run last year horribly at least during the first half of the season we were last in every um, defensive rushing category um, so they'll get Marlon Mack back they have Jonathan Taylor um, and they have Naheem Hines I mean that's a three-headed monster so it doesn't matter which one of those guys are in there um, it's going to be really interesting to me to see how our running defense uh, bounces back this year and see what type of changes have been made. Um, but what, what stands out to you guys as far as maybe some keys that you're really going to be focusing on? I know it's just week one of preseason. Um, so you really can't take all that much away from it just because there's not going to be a lot of snaps out there with the starters, but who is maybe a player or um, what are some, some keys to the game that you're going to be focusing on?
1: Yeah. Um I think not only, you know, we, we want to preview the game and, and give you what we think are some matchups to watch for. Um, it is preseason. Um, but I think more importantly than the preseason game is you do have the joint practices this week. So um, even if a DeForest Buckner doesn't play in the game, even if a Darius Leonard doesn't doesn't go on Sunday, they will have practice reps, live practice reps against these guys throughout the week, which is what I love that Rule did this year. I love having a coach like that goes in and schedules these joint practices because I think it is the best way to see what you have in, in real time. So, um, like we mentioned, Quiddy Pay, um, first round pick, uh, edge rusher, um, whoever is in at tackle. Um, is is going to get it to go against a, a first round talent at, at the end, whether it be Trent Scott, whether it be Greg Little or, or Irving. Um, and I'm really looking forward to those reports out of uh, the joint practices this week. Uh, hopefully they get some one-on-ones going and we get to see the film from that. Uh, it's something I'm really looking forward to and want to see. Um, on the other side, you have a guy who kind of came off the bench last year, Al Qadin Muhammad. Uh, he did have two sacks last year coming off the bench. Um, and, you know, Um, it's an NFL guy. He's been in the league as a vet. So, um, it's, it's, it's a breathing body to go against for our tackles, um, and, and see what they have. And like you mentioned with Horn, I think for not only Horn, but also for Dante getting, you know, for Horn, especially getting to go against a guy like T.Y. Hilton. Um, you know, you can say what you want about T.Y. He's been in the, the, the league for a really long time, but he's a seasoned savvy vet. Um, that's it's, it's good for, for Horn to see a guy like T.Y. Who's, who's got some wiggle, who's got some, some, some nice routes. Um, and we'll see how, you know, he fares against him. And a second-year receiver in Michael Pittman Jr., who probably didn't fly off the charts last year, but, he, you know, he had a solid season, especially late in the season. So I think it's good competition for, for our cornerback room to, to go against uh, in, in week one. And you got guys like Zach Pascal, You know who, again, you know is a third string guy. He's not going to you know turn too many heads, but you know it's 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 solid competition to go against in these joint practices, and then in the game, um, you know you got guys like that for you know Troy Pride to to go against and um, uh, Keith Taylor. So um, that's that's going to be a good little measuring stick and a nice little way to get the their 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 feet wet for this. And and like we mentioned with the Colts running back rooms. I mean, they, if the Colts have, they're a really good team. They have a really stacked running back room. I mean, and I think the thing I like about practicing against them and getting this as our first test is they have a running back. They have a running back for every situation. They have a running back that's going to test us at all levels of the defense. Naheem Hines is excellent at catching the ball out of the backfield. Linebackers, you know, If you have a, um, you know, an inside drill, um, basically it's our front seven versus you know their front seven. Um, that's going to be an excellent test um, to go against in practice with Jonathan Taylor. So they're going to test our run fits. Um, and if we have, you know, progressed in Phil Snow's program and and, and gotten around to where we're more um, gap disciplined and and can hold those run fits um, from a, a front seven standpoint. So. Uh, excellent first week test and um, the schedule worked out for us with these next two weeks because we get to go against two really good defenses. So um, we'll see what happens after this week. And I really look forward to these reports coming out of the, the Colts, Colts camp there when we got there for joint practice.
2: Yeah. Uh, don't disagree with any of that. I'll uh, start off with the injury report. I know a lot of people aren't in this camp but I am I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that is going to miss some time here early he's a veteran he knows where he's he knows where he needs to be he's he's seasoned um and it gets us prepared for week one and two without him whoever is going to get those reps somebody needs them so it, it gives us the ability to figure out who's going to win that job um Kirkwood I mean he was fighting for that job I hate I hate that he's hurt for him but it doesn't have a huge team impact Denzel Perryman's an interesting one I think we're going to see some guys across the league this year have some, some long absences with undisclosed injuries. I'm not going to really uh, go, go too far into that, but take of that, take of that, what you will. Um, That was something I was worried about with him from the start. Uh, I think that's why Jermaine Carter got uh, a a lot of reps from the beginning is there's going to be some guys who um, have those undisclosed tags and, and there's it is what it is. Uh, I'm not saying that's what it, his is, but most of the time they disclose injuries that they can talk about. Um, moving on to the tackles. That is what I'm going to be watching the most in the offensive line as a whole is what I'm going to be watching the most in practice and in the preseason games come preseason game coming up. Um, the Colts have a really good pass rush, and so I'm I'm very interested to see how we fare in both drills and in the game against that. And I also like getting to see some of these first round rookies, kind of see what they've got. So Quiddy Pay will be it'll be interesting to see what he's got. Um Moving on to our first round defensive pick, uh, J.C. Horn. Uh, anytime you can get reps in practice, preseason game, no matter it, how many. Series, they play against a receiver like T.Y. Hilton and even Michael Pittman Jr. Um, it's a, a good learning experience for a guy like like J.C. And then again, echoing what you guys have said about the running back room, uh, super deep. And we struggled against the run last year. That was that killed us. So can we step up? Um, I was hoping that Denzel would be somebody that would help us step up because middle linebacker play was so bad last year. Uh, but maybe Jermaine Carter can and and be, uh, be an answer there. We'll see. Those are, those are kind of the things that I'm looking for matchups wise that we've discussed.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, I hope the Denzel situation isn't anything serious. I don't, I don't think it is Um, obviously he's just missing some reps, but the one thing um, that I was able to do, at least as a, as a Miami football fan is that I watched a lot of Denzel's career and obviously one of the leading tackles in my or tacklers in Miami history, uh, he's going to fly around to the ball. So when he does come back, I mean, that's something that we have missed since, um, you know, Luke retired, is just adding that to the defense. Um, You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's like 5'10", 5'11", but he's not afraid to, you know, be a ball hawker and and go after um, the guys and and lay hits on them. Um, But circling back to the the Colts game, um, Corey, you mentioned the joint practices, the one thing that I'm going to pay attention to in the reports that come out. Um, this week is how does this offense look against that defense during practices? Because the Colts had one of the, the best defenses in the league last year. So going into the game, though, some things I obviously you know, want to pay attention to is is, you know, how Sam does against the defense, how the uh, offensive line looks, uh, how shy Smith looks back there at punt returner. Um, that's that's something that's I'm going to be monitoring really closely. I think that that's his path to immediate playing time. Um, some other guys will probably get some chances back there. Miles um, Hartsfield, possibly. Um, and then probably just, just seeing you know how, how things shape out, like I said, on the offensive line. I think that that's probably where most of the attention is going to be. But um, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm excited to have actual football for us to talk about and, and having clips and game film so we can see you know, all the reports that have come out, actually see how that looks uh, on the field.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it is the switch to three preseason games. So I think it is going to be a little bit new um, in terms of your usage and how much the starters play and and all that. I don't think anybody really knows what to expect in terms of the number of snaps that rule is going to give the starter. Um, I think I can kind of guess that the type of guy that rule is, you know, there was no preseason games in 2020. So I would expect him to want to take full advantage of, his first chance at live practice reps against a different team. And when it comes to Sam Darnold uh, in particular, I believe that Sam should at least get a quarter of the action. I think, you know, two, three, four drives. Um, You know, he's still learning a new system. He's getting timing and rhythm with the new set of weapons. Um, And even if guys like DJ and CMC and Robbie only get to see like one series, I think it's really imperative for Sam's confidence to give him a good chunk of the action. With a relatively long leash for preseason games, um, if he struggles early on, um, you know I think allowing him an opportunity to to, to bounce back, come back out with a you know, refocused and have a few drives to 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 bounce back will be crucial. Uh, if he comes right out and you know takes right down the field and scores, then okay, take him out. You know we saw what we need to see. It's fine. Um, but get, given an opportunity, if he does struggle to bounce back and lead a, a, a successful drive, I think will be huge, um, which, you know, and that's a feel thing for coach, for coaches and head coaches in, in preseason games. And I'm really interested and anxious to see how Rule does handle that. If Sam does struggle early on in, in, in the game, um, I just hope that they do give him a long leash um, and allow him, you know, just to be out there and be free uh, and you know, and you know, lead a couple drives. Sorry.
0: Yeah, no, um, and we do have a quarterback battle. You know, PJ Walker and Will Greer are going to get a lot of um, reps this game, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of who kind of takes the lead in that backup uh, quarterback battle. Uh, and then wide receiver, we talked about that over and over again. Is that you have Zilstra uh, and Omar Bayless? One of those two guys can step up. You know, with the absence of Keith Kirkwood, so uh, I I'm, I'm excited to see Omar Bayless out on the field and, and seeing what he he can do in an actual game film. You know, with somebody like a PJ Walker or Will Greer, and especially like speaking of those two, I mean, Will's filling the heat. I mean, he's he's kind of put some good film out there. I mean, there's not a lot out there on him. I mean, we talked about that in previous episodes. I mean, what's been Will's knock? So we're gonna see. We're gonna find out and see how things shake out. I mean, like I said I'm I'm excited. To see what happens here, uh, gonna have a lot to cover next week. Um, you know, anything you guys want to add before we wrap this up?
1: I, I think too. Someone I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really excited about getting to actual, actually seeing like live game reps. You know, is Davion Nixon, um, fifth round pick. Uh, a lot of people thought he could have been picked sooner. So um, you haven't really been able to see a lot of, of, of him at camp just because, you know, Ellis and some of the other beat writers have talked about just how far away from the field they are when the team does go to 11 on 11. So you haven't really, if he has made an impact, you know, it's not like you can really tell. So getting to see, you know, Davy and Nixon in there and pass rushing situations uh, is going to be cool. Um, and I, I say his name every week because I'm so excited about him, but you know, Itor Gross Matos, uh, I hope he gets some burn. Uh, I want to see him healthy in the game, and rushing the passer, because uh, I think he's going to be our eventual starter uh, or a starter on the line. So uh, I'm going to be excited to see him and, and watch for that. So um, it is kind of unfortunate, the injuries that the, the Colts have experienced along the offensive line, it would have been an even better test with, you know, a guy like Quentin Nelson out there, the best offensive lineman in the league, no questions asked, it's him, so not getting to see him and Ryan Kelly out there, that's going to, you know, not be as good as it could have been, but um, it's still going to be a test for our defensive line, and, um, you know, I'll let Wes talk a little bit about Derek Brown, because, you know, you, you put in some, some work on that, so.
2: Yeah, um so first off I'll, I'll say as you were talking about a little bit of usage if, if CMC gets more than one drive I'm I'm going to drive to the field myself and just yell at Matt Rule cuz just just keep him in bubble wrap all preseason. Just he doesn't need to get his timing down. He doesn't need he doesn't need any of that. Just just keep him healthy, please. Um but yeah, uh, I'll talk about Derek uh, Person wrote an article um, talking about Derek, a pretty long article talking talking about Derek Brown earlier this week, and he's really working on improving that pass rush. He's been that interior line run stuffer for us, but um, he wants to unlock the next level in his pass rush. And uh, he had a locker next to Paratus last year, and he said that he just used that as as kind of a a way to to ask a veteran a lot of questions and learn. and 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 Paradis said that. And in return he also learned a lot a lot from derek so that's i think that's invaluable stuff for for him and and i'm i'm ready to see him take that step forward as a pass rusher with with the fact that they're not going to be able to double team him he's going to be able to disrupt in the middle with with what our offensive with what our defensive line looks like and and when talking further down in that article when talking to paradis and, and shaq uh both of them had high praise for for derek and the steps forward that they think he's going to take so that's, that's another thing I'll be watching, uh, to see if he can, again, the, the offensive line for, for the, the Colts should be better than it, than it's going to be with, it'd be really nice to see, uh, a healthy Colts offensive line to see, see how our defensive line looked, but
0: couldn't yeah. agree more. And, uh, by all reports, Derek Brown's kind of taken that next step as a pass rusher and been able to split the gaps in camp so far. Um, but great stuff. I mean, I. Definitely looking forward to see what he can contribute and the whole defensive line room as a core. I mean, Bravion Roy is another guy um, who's had some good reps last year. So it's interesting to see these guys grow and and see um, what happens next week. But, uh, guys, been fun. Um, Can't wait for next week to actually talk about some actual football and not just practices. So going to have a lot of good stuff for you guys next week. Um, We'll likely record and do a recap um, Sunday after the game, so you guys will have that next Monday. Um, so be sure to check that out. But feel free to shoot us any questions. Follow us as always on uh, Instagram, Twitter uh, at Seven O Forecast. Um, and if you're not already, rate, comment, subscribe um, to all of our our our, our podcast on uh, whatever streaming platform that you subscribe to. But uh, we'll wrap this up, guys. Um, thanks for listening to us as always, and uh, we'll be back with you guys next week.
2: Later.